This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Three Lions Podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England football supporters podcast. Following the hard-fought victory over Haiti, the Lionesses have once again been in action, this time against Denmark in the 18th meeting between the two nations. I hope you're well. Coming up, we'll be once again speaking with Dom Smith and also hearing from David Gorton who is out and about in Australia. He'll tell us how he saw it from inside the stadium. So we're into the second week of the Women's World Cup, a week that since we last spoke, there have been some surprises. Jamaica holding France to a goalless draw, the Philippines beating New Zealand, Norway capitulating. Uh, Japan are looking strong and pretty much have a foot in the knockout stages following victories over Costa Rica and Zambia. Uh, Germany had a big win as well, 6-0. But hasn't there been some big downpours? Canada and Ireland, that was a proper wet one. Uh, However, though, that was where the Irish journey came to its end. They became the first side to be eliminated. Hosts Australia. Well, they've hit a bit of a wall, haven't they? They lost 3-2 to Nigeria in an entertaining game, uh, where it must be said the Nigerian keeper, she played really well. Uh, But with Sam Kerr missing for the second game running, the Aussies now need to get a result against Canada in their last game to think about qualifying for the knockout round. Who would have thought Group B would have come to this? So following the 1-0 victory over Haiti, Serena Weigman decided to change things about, uh, dropping Jess Carter and moving Alex Greenwood to centre-back alongside Millie Bright. Rachel Daly then moved back to left-back, a spot she, she knows oh so well. Uh, and Lauren James started ahead of Lauren Hemp. So a line-up in a 4-2-3-1 formation, I guess, uh, was Mary Earps, Lucy Bronze, Kira Walsh, Alex Greenwood, Millie Bright, Lauren James, Georgia Stanway, Rachel Daly, Ella Toon, Chloe Kelly and Alessia Russo. And as we did in the Haiti review, it's my pleasure to welcome back to the Three Lions podcast, Dom Smith from the Evening Standard. Hello, Dom. Hello. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, all good. All good, thanks. Good. Did you see the game? As as I've had to rely on highlights, like um, like probably the majority of people who've been working. I did. I'm on my uh, I'm on my holiday at the moment. I'm on I'm on holiday camping, but I managed to get up in time to watch it on the phone. So yeah. Oh, cool! You watched the whole game on the phone. That probably rinsed your battery, did it? It did, and my data. You know, you've got to do it. Some things are uh, have to be done. Well, it's coming towards the end of the month. You'll get new data soon, I guess. Exactly. Absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> so um, obviously we, we spoke the other day after the Haiti game, which um, was a bit flat, really. So we were hoping for um, a bit more from the Lionesses. And uh, from what I can gather, they, uh, they came out 
all guns blazing. Um, and Lauren James got us off to a, a fantastic start, didn't she? With a cracker of a goal. Yeah, I think there was real clamour for her to start the match, to be honest, after her appearance off the bench against Haiti. But but also what she's delivered as an England player coming into the team in the last year or so. She's really produced some good performances, particularly in the later qualifiers and in the Arnold Clark Cup. And I think it's been, you know, it's been a long time coming at a first tournament start for her. But she definitely, it definitely felt like she really made the most of it with a, a six-minute goal, which... I think its its top speed was ninety three kilometers an hour. Um, it was a, it was a whipped effort into the bottom corner. Goalkeeper had no chance. Lovely finish. A lovely start for England as well. Yeah, After was... so many uh, so many uh, comments over the last few days that they had gone so long since uh, scoring from open play, it had been all the way back in the in the Finlissima in April when they had scored in open play. So it was good to finally put that to bed. And it was Lauren James looked as likely as anyone. So um, fitting that she was the one who did it. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that comment's been going around that uh, haven't scored in open play. But on the, I guess there's, there's another comment that I'm going to throw straight in there is we still haven't conceded since the, the Australia game. So sort of, it, it works on both sides of the coin as well, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it's certainly not. It doesn't feel at the moment like it's the most thrilling time to watch the Lionesses, which certainly I think we were spoilt really right from when Wiegmann came in. It's felt like it's been just uh, an absolute joy to watch this team. I think they went 30 or I can't remember whether it's 30 or 35 matches unbeaten from her taking over until that Australia match. Um, they scored 80 goals in in qualifying for this tournament I don't think people have spoken about that enough actually any excuse I've had to mention that <laughs> fact I have done I mean 80 goals in in 10 qualifiers an average of eight per game it's absolutely ridiculous whoever you're playing absolutely so, um, amazing yeah to, to go from those extremes to the other extreme of not scoring and not conceding it's it has meant watching England has been a little bit not boring but it, it's been it, it you've struggled to get that thrilled about England's attacks or indeed the opposition's attacks and and I think we all potentially expected the same from from this game um I certainly predicted a nil nil draw and, and in the end it certainly felt like a nil nil in which Lauren James was basically the difference absolutely I mean I must admit I predicted a one all um but yeah happy with a with a one nil the game continued in that first half. Uh, until a till a moment that's kind of put a bit of a, a sour note on the on the game and and maybe the lionesses at the moment. Kira Walsh suffered an injury and had to go off on the stretcher. Now I haven't seen anything um, official yet. There, there's rumours and talk of another ACL injury. I don't know if that's confirmed yet, but she's gone down just under a not the heaviest of challenges. I kind of thought is it was very similar to maybe Leah Williamson's injury um, where the challenge wasn't so hard but she's just fallen at such an angle and and unfortunately it looks like this could be the end of her tournament. Yeah I mean I think it's one of those where the pitch looks quite dry indeed when when Lauren James went to celebrate her goal she tried to knee slide and she actually fell over doing it because there was no slippiness on the on the turf and this is a point that Jonas Eideval um Kira Walsh's manager at Arsenal made when he was on on uh punditry back in the BBC studio for the match and he, he made the point that it, it's an injury that's that's come about because of the dry turf and she sort of goes over on her knee and her studs get caught in the in the turf and it's harder for her to move 
out of that awkward position. And as soon as it happens, she sort of sits up um, on her backside and someone, you know, a couple of teammates are trying to kind of fiddle with her and pull her up and stuff. And she, she you know, she tells them in no uncertain terms to get away. Yeah. And she says, you see her mouth, I've done my knee, I've done my knee. And, and when a player that experience says that, you're, you're always worrying, really. I, I naturally come from it from a newspaper angle. And, and it's, it's typical, really, that Kira Walsh was the England player who all of the... Um, Newspaper, the national newspapers, uh, journalists out in Australia w- were given for a roundtable interview this week. Okay. So all of the papers, including including my own, our preview for the uh, for the match was an interview about no. an interview with with Kira Walsh about how teams and Denmark are, are, are included will will want to target her and how the key for England winning a tournament like this would be keeping Kira Walsh fit and having her firing. And it's just absolutely typical that 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 would then happen in that very match. Uh, Certainly from from a journalistic perspective, that's irritating. But from a fan's perspective and from England players' perspective, it's even more annoying because it it basically takes England from contenders in the tournament to, to really having another thing to fight against, having already lost probably three of their four most important... They've now lost three or four of their most important players from last summer. And um, you can't easily replace players like Kira Walsh. No, it's, it's going to be a, a hard one going forward. It was Laura Coombs that came in um, and, and replaced her. But yeah, we're, we're keeping our fingers crossed, but we wish her all, all the very best. And just on, just as you mentioned, um, Lauren James' knee sliding into the, uh, into the, the corner as a celebration. That's one thing that... I've never been a fan of, just on a, a personal thing, I seem to remember it, it may have been Patrick Vieira um, a long time ago. I've got a funny feeling injured himself doing a knee slide. But that's, that's by the by, it's another thing. Um, mm. However, uh, let's just moving on uh, again. I say I was, I've seen just the, the highlights. The second half kind of just, just petered out after the... The opening, uh, what was it, 10, 15, 20 minutes that the Lionesses began the game in. And and the second half didn't really live up to that. Denmark had a a few efforts. But I want to just maybe touch on Alessia Russo. And I know we spoke, obviously, just after the Haiti game. um, And I think you were comparing the situation to to Harry Kane and and Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I don't think we need to panic yet, but... But do you think people are? Uh, I think certainly it would do her and the team a hell of a lot of good if she could get underway and get a goal in this tournament. Um, she, it, it seems to me that, she, that she's just struggling a little bit to get involved in play. Yeah. Um, some of the some of the crosses in the Haiti match seemed to just fly over her, and and, and she was given an even probably even worse service today. I think it's fair to say. Um, and actually, when Beth England came on, it, it felt as though maybe Beth England was more able to link play as a striker than, than Russo had been all game. But that isn't to say that Russo isn't, isn't worth persisting with, because I think she, gen- generally speaking, she is still a better player than, than Beth England. But um, yeah, I think she, she, she won't be panicking yet, but she'll be starting to think, come on, if, if I'm being given this chance up front, I've got to, you know, I've, I've got to make it pay at some point. But uh, look, I, I think because she scored four goals off the bench at the Euros, and because she's been been excellent for Man United we, we, over the years, we, we maybe assume that she's the finished article. But she's still a very young player, and she's got a lot to prove, um, both as an England starting player and and also now that she's made her big 
big money move to to Arsenal. So it will be interesting to see whether she can kick on in this tournament. But certainly, any team that goes far in a tournament needs a striker who's who's scoring goals. And if not scoring goals, then heavily involved with play. I remember Olivier Giroud didn't score a single goal in France's 2018 World Cup win, but didn't need to because he yeah. leaned the play brilliantly. And I think he got a couple of assists. Um, if you're not going to be scoring, you need to be doing that. Yeah. Um, as long as it goes in, doesn't matter how it goes in, off your bum, however it goes in, they they all count. So again, fingers crossed for her. The I guess the other major talking point as the game began was the the introduction of Rachel Daly as left back, um, which seemed to be fine in the end. We all know she's capable of of that position. Um, it was just a, a shame, really, that she wasn't available to be up front. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think she got the assist for Lauren James's goal that will have given her confidence playing in that position. She would never say this because she's a real, she's a very flexible person uh, player. And a very giving personality. She's very team orientated, but yeah. there's no doubt about it. She'd like to be starting up front. But the fact of the matter is, England have got a few options at left back, but none of them are really exceptional apart from Alex Greenwood. And we saw against Haiti that Alex Greenwood really is needed at centre back. Yeah. She didn't play there in that match, and we struggled. And the Haitians got got in behind quite a few times. We looked slightly. I don't think we looked that great in midfield today, but we looked slightly better in uh, in defence. And I think it was because. Alex Greenwood was 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 back there playing. I, th- I think there was a little bit of um, of rustiness from Millie Bright, who's obviously coming back from a serious injury. But that, but Alex Greenwood played quite well today at, at centre back. So it makes sense to to look to someone at to someone new at left back. And you know, Serena Veeman thinks her second best striker, Rachel Daly, is better at left back than a, a nominal left back um, in Neve Charles. Then that's her call, and that's fair enough. And it worked well. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, no issues with it. Uh, Denmark. Uh, hit the post with a uh, a late header um but from what i saw they didn't really didn't really trouble mary Earps, to be honest with that i mean she had a couple of uh minor saves sort of easy saves for that she'd be expected to uh to gather yeah i mean it's not been a great world cup in terms of the quality of crossing and i think a couple of the saves she had to make were actually hack sort of hashed crosses that that, that were actually on their way on into the goal but yeah, Denmark certainly, they grew into the game after about 25 minutes. And soon after, it was it was Walsh's injury, which rocked England. And I don't think they fully recovered from it, really, in terms of having dominance of the match. They finished the first half, England, with 78% of possession, but it didn't feel like that, really. And in the second half, it, it's, it just wasn't like that. Um, so Denmark can, I suppose, be heartened by their performance. But at the end of the day, they've played against a team who've, whose best player has gone off injured and who are struggling to score. And uh, and in a bit of a of poor form, England really, and yeah. yet Denmark finished the match without having even scored. So they they in some senses they may be a little bit disappointed. Yes, very true. Well, the the group is still fairly open. Each game in this particular group has finished by a goal to nil. Uh, we're not officially into the round of sixteen yet. We've obviously got to play China yet. Um, has anything else caught your caught your eye in the tournament since we've last spoken? I thought Nigeria beating Australia oh, yeah. co-host was a brilliant result for them um, and a great result for the tournament so long as Australia get through. You never want the hosts or the co-hosts out. I think they're hopeful that they're going to have Sam Kerr back for the next game. And the last I heard is that she's been put up for media duty to do an interview, which bodes well for her being involved, I think. So I think Germany become the favourites in my eyes. They They hammered Morocco and they... Uh, they seem to have pretty good squad depth. I think Spain have been good, but I think they're 
I know Spain have scored loads of goals in their games. They think they've won three nil and five nil, but they haven't been playing particularly high caliber of opposition. And I think they've had hell of a lot of chances in those matches. And I think their lack of a clinical edge in the end. It, it seems mad to be talking about a lack of a clinical edge from a team who won three nil and five nil. But <laughs> if you'd watched the games, you would. You would. I think you'd have probably agree with me. I think their lack of a clinical edge will potentially catch up with them. And the US are always there or thereabouts, but I'm not sure they've got quite the firepower of old. So for me, Germany are the favourites, but it's been a really open tournament so far. And also, I wouldn't mind giving a shout out to South Africa. Um, I've watched both their games so far. And um, I think they lost 2-1. I can't remember who they lost 2-1 to in their their first game. Then they drew 2-2 with Argentina yesterday. in which they went 2-0 up and drew 2-2. But every, all, all of their three goals so far have been absolutely lovely team goals. Sort of a player gets to the byline and pegs it back and there are like players queuing up to arrive and tap it in. Proper like futsal goal of football, really. Uh, Five-a-side football. Yeah. Re- really nice to watch. Good stuff. South Africa, one to uh, one to watch still with a, uh, a game to, to go in the group stage. Don, thank you very much for joining us. I know you are... Uh, on your holiday, so I appreciate that. Um, and your your 4G held up. Um, China next. I don't know if, if we can speak. Would be great. If not, we'll, we'll speak another time. I'm sure it'll be uh, absolutely fine, as long as we've won, of course. Of course. Yeah, well, fingers crossed for that one. Thanks to Dom there. Don't forget you can follow him on Twitter at Mr. Don Smith. Uh, he's also on threads. Uh, you can find him underscore Dom Smith. Go give him a follow. Uh, likewise, the Three Lions podcast can be found on threads. Just search Three Lions podcast. Now, once again, we are going to cross to David Gorton. He's in Sydney, uh, who has once again kindly provided us with his view from the tournament. Hi folks, just gone 9.30 in Sydney. I am just got back from the Sydney Football Stadium, having seen England's um, second 1-0 win of the tournament, this time against Denmark. Uh, better performance, in my opinion, compared to last week. The introduction of Rachel Daly into the side certainly seemed to liven up the play. Definitely dominated the first quarter of the game um, an absolutely stunning strike from Lauren James the only goal of the game uh, well worth winning any contest Denmark did start to come back to it after the uh, the midway point in the first half uh, didn't really test Mary Earps until um, towards the end of the second um, second half was a fairly even contest between the two sides um, as you probably thought it would be uh, excellent save from Mary Earps around 20 minutes from the end and hearts in mouths as Denmark hit the post with their best chance of the game around four minutes from time. Another 40,000 crowd uh, in to watch this one. Um, absolutely fantastic. We've um, certainly seen some big crowds uh, in the Lionesses games. And um, what can you ask for other than, other than two wins out of two? We'll see what the result is of China versus Haiti and that will determine what we need from the last game, if anything. Okay, and that's it from me in terms of Sydney. I am off to the Rugby League tomorrow for um, Sir George Illawarra against Manly. And then um, come next week, you're off to Adelaide for the final game. Cheers. Oh, sounds like he's having a great time. Uh, Many thanks to David. Hopefully we'll hear from him once again after the China game. 
Don't forget, you can get involved too. You can send your thoughts, observations, reactions. You can send them in. Just open up your phone, record something as a voice note, and just email them across to me, threelionspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, perhaps we'll hear you on the uh, the next China Review episode. Now, as it stands in Group D, as I mentioned with Dom, each team has played twice. Each game in the group has ended 1-0. Now, at present, the Lionesses top it with six points, with two goals scored, none against. Uh, Denmark are second on three points. China third, again, with three points. And Haiti are bottom with no points. Next up for the Lionesses are China in Adelaide. That's on Tuesday the 1st of August. Kickoff is at noon. A nice time for us here. Uh, and at the same time, Haiti played Denmark. Now you can see the Lionesses game on ITV in England. Obviously a win for us puts us through top of the group and a round of 16 fixture on Monday the 7th of August back in Brisbane. Uh, if we end up coming second, we play on the same day, but in Sydney. Now, if we fail to score against China uh, and they put three past us uh, and Denmark beat Haiti by a considerable margin, then it's home time for us. But hopefully it won't come to that. Uh, so that's the next game. England against China on Tuesday, the 1st of August. Now, some sad news I'm sure some of you may have seen. But the 24th of July saw the passing of Trevor Francis. He was aged 69. Now, he was born in Plymouth on the 19th of April, 1954, and was one of the country's finest players at his peak. In 1968, he began his career at Birmingham City, where he scored 118 goals in 280 appearances. Now, he stayed there until 1978, when he was loaned to Detroit as part of the NASL. Now, he was only there for a short period of time, as in 1979, he made history when he signed for Nottingham Forest for one million pounds he was the first one million pound player although brian clough later said the fee was actually nine hundred and ninety nine thousand pounds nine hundred and ninety nine uh, as he didn't want the figure to go to his head however it was here though at nottingham forest that he would win the european cup and it was francis that scored the only goal in a one nil victory over malmo in Munich. In 1981, he was on the move again, this time for 1.2 million and heading to Manchester City. It was here, though, he only made 26 appearances, but he did score 12 goals. However, City had financial issues in keeping him. So off he went to Italy and had spells at Sampdoria and Atalanta, before moving to Rangers in Scotland. 18 games later, and he was on his way to QPR, then Sheffield Wednesday, as his playing career wound down. For England, he made his debut in 1977, and would go on to play 
52 times, scoring 12 goals up until 1986. Don Revy gave him his first cap in a 2-0 defeat against the Dutch. Injuries, though, prevented him from making the Euro 1980 squad, but he was selected for the 1982 World Cup, where he scored against Czechoslovakia and Kuwait in the group stages. But England would come home early. He scored his first goal in a 5-0 victory over Luxembourg in only his second game. Fandel will shortly be back, but here's Hill taking the corner for England. Hit a bit lower this time. Played in once more towards Mariner. Shannon couldn't get a shot in a clear one. Watson with a header. Keegan's in there too. Hill's in there too. And in the end, it's Francis. Now, later in his career, he became a manager, taking charge of Sheffield Wednesday, winning the League Cup. At Birmingham City, he was manager too, where they also got to the League Cup final uh, and also took charge of Crystal Palace. Now, on occasions, he was often mentioned as a possibility for the England manager's role, but it was never to be. He had a very distinctive voice and would often be heard on both TV and radio. Now, the very same day also saw the passing of Chris Bart-Williams, aged only 49. Uh, He was a player I do remember playing top flight football. And ironically, like Trevor Francis, Bart Williams played for both Sheffield Wednesday and Nottingham Forest too. And Francis was manager when Chris Bart Williams was at Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, He was actually called up to the senior England side, but he never made it onto the pitch. He did, though, represent the under-19s, the under-21s, and he also played for the England B team in 1994. So to both Trevor Francis and Chris Bart Williams, I'd like to pass on my condolences to both their families and friends. And that's it for this episode. Thank you very much for joining me. I hope you've enjoyed it. I'll be back very soon with a look at the China game, which I hope you can join me for. Don't forget, you can follow the show on all the social media channels. Just search Three Lions Podcast. Uh, Also, just before we go, one other thing. I'm looking at putting together a new series. It's called Your England Journey. How and when you first discovered England and where it's taken you, who you've met. Uh, either be the men's team, the women's team, any anecdotes you may have, memories, as I say, any friends that you've met, the journeys you've done, all that sort of stuff. Have a think about it. Drop me a line if you'd like to tell us your story. So until the next time, take care of yourselves. Cheers. Cheers.